OTB Rugby. And that's why those of us that aren't cynicals but understand the workings, see the world rankings as they currently are, as very fallible and very loose. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. You're welcome back. Well, this is a treat of a Thursday evening. It's been a while, but Luke Jensen is with us. How are you keeping, Luke? Living the dream. I love the studio. You need some tennis stuff in there, like a Wimbledon trophy or something. Listen, if you want to come over sometime and supply us with a Wimbledon trophy, we would find a place for it. All you got to do is win the tournament and they give you one. It's fantastic. Well, Novak Djokovic has enough of them at this stage, so surely. We've we've been so kind to him through the years. We've said so many nice things. Uh, I'm sure. You talk to those guys, right? And you say, the Roger, Rafa, the the guys who won a lot when I played this, this team of the Woodies, Mark Woodford, Todd Woodbridge. I think they won like seven Wimbledons, like 20 plus grand slams. And I was at an event and I said to Mark Woodford, do you remember when you beat me in the finals of the Australian Open mixed, mixed doubles? And he goes, we played? He doesn't remember even the major finals these guys play. So, I mean, it's just the spoils go, you know, to the to the champions go the spoils, right? You win so much. This is one of the biggest moments of your life, and he doesn't even remember it. I know, it really is. The thing is, that's why I think we could probably nick like one or two of those trophies. They wouldn't even miss it. All right, it's a plan. We probably shouldn't have put it to air just yet, but it's definitely a plan to spruce up our studio. Uh, It's been a brilliant Wimbledon so far, uh, particularly for American men's tennis, because it's incredible. We're coming up in two decades since Andy Roddick won the US Open, the last American male to win one of the Grand Slams. It's not going to happen this time round, but finally in Chris Eubank, you found yourself a hero. (laughs) Well, we started out with 19... American women in the main draw and 14 American men. And Chris Eubanks is a guy that I've known a long time. I've lived in Atlanta, Georgia since 90. And he grew up there was kind of not a great junior to be perfectly honest. And Georgia tech, uh, the university in Atlanta took a flyer on him. He was six, 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 seven, really thin at the time, but he had some talent. They took a flyer on him, took a chance. He'd end up being an all American uh, turning pro, he's just kind of been wallowing around like the minor leagues of professional tennis. And then he just, you know, kind of found his game now in his late 20s. And he gets on a surface that he didn't really feel comfortable with. I, I coached him in world team tennis, so I know him pretty good and how he thinks. He's a very intelligent player, but he has got a lot of like tools to his toolkit. And so sometimes those complicated players take a while to mature than a basic, let's say, just a baseliner or someone who, you know, doesn't have many tools to work on. Um, but he really is captivated. I'm back in the States. I was at Wimbledon the first week and for uh, qualifying, and he's captivated the audience here. He's a nice guy. He's very genuine. Um, and he's now extremely famous here in the United States. Yeah, it's interesting the way you talk about his progression, that it was step by step because it, it felt listening to some of the coverage over here that he had just stalled massively for four or five years. He was back even doing some American TV coverage himself yep. and that, you know, maybe the pro ranks just weren't for him, but actually it's just that some players develop at different paces. I always say watch watch for athletes around 26, 27 in that, uh, in that age uh, group because you mature mentally, but physically you can still recover and play the next day. 
or find another gear physically. But mentally, you don't get freaked out when you play Rafa. You don't get freaked out when you step on center court Wimbledon. You're an adult at that point. You're not a young adult. You're really kind of, you know, at the peak of your athletic performance. And then, of course, athletes are now taking care of themselves. They're playing longer because of nutrition, their fitness, their their uh, they're stretching all the time. So their mobility is much better than when I played. Uh, but someone like Eubanks, who serves 140 miles an hour, lots of aces, lots of upside. He's also a student of the game. He's always learning. So it's, it's really nice to see someone who's, you know, honestly an overachiever, a guy that, you know, is the underdog, right? The true underdog who loves the sport. His dad got him into it. And he's really good friends with like say Coco Goff and Taylor Townsend. They all grew up together in Atlanta, and now they're doing great on the Pro Tour. So we now know the makeup of the ladies' singles final. It's going to be Angebert back in the final for the second straight year, going to take on the Czech player Marketa Vondruzova. Uh, what Angebert has done, beating Sabalenka today in three sets in an absolute classic. Uh, Ribakana, the third seed before that in the quarterfinals. Kvitova, former champion in the round of 16. This is one of the great Wimbledon runs. Yeah, there's no doubt. But if you, when you say those two, you know those two, those three opponents that she just beat, what are they? What do they have in common? Um, they're all power players, and they hit with a lot of pace. Um, you look at uh, they're all, you know, all three are major champions. Um, Rabikina won Wimbledon last year. Kvitova won two Wimbledons in her past. But those are the exactly the type of players she likes to play against. The people that are giving her pace, where she can use her drop shots and her. She's very smart, a quick-witted tennis player that likes to change it up, can hit some power, but would rather redirect your, her opponent's power. But now she plays Vodasova, who is another wily cat. So this may be one of the most interesting matches um, of Grand Slam finals because normally you have like a puncher versus a counterpuncher. Mm. So, or the Williams sisters, two big punchers. These are two very creative players. Vodasova's lefty. She's coming off an injury, so she has a really nice perspective. I interviewed her um, three or four days ago after, uh, I think, the round of 16 she won. She's very thoughtful and very grateful to be at Wimbledon again. She never really liked the surface. She spoke with Kavita and practiced with Kavitova to get pointers going into this grass court season, and she just was going to be here to have fun, and now what do you know? She's in the finals. Uh, she has a good record. She's beaten um, Jabour the last two times. They've played, I think it was this year. So Jabour has a different mindset. This is kind of like Jabour's the the underdog, to be perfectly honest, if you right. look at the head-to-head. -head. Also, Jabour, with the list of names I read out there that she's had to play over the past four or five days, like having to peak again and again and again, it, it's just so difficult. But I guess that is what a Grand Slam week is. If you want to win it, you got to be able to do that. Yeah, it's two weeks. It's seven matches. It truly is a marathon. You see some players that are now playing. I think Sissy Plus made a big mistake by entering the doubles with his brother. And I know it's a dream and everything, but, you know, he's trying to win his first singles major and he's got the capability to do it. But he just ran out of gas. And when we had so many rain delays that backed up so many matches in the first week, he had to play back-to-back -back days a, a few times. And he just got bit in the end. Eubanks was too good. I think this is going to be such a creative match. And Vodasova is going to use her leftiness. Lots of short angles, lots of looping, lots of patience. And you're talking about two very mature players. 
And which one is going to handle the nerves? Someone's going to bring home the trophy for the very first time. Vanasova has been a finalist at the French Championships in 2019. But it's going to be very interesting who can hold their nerve and execute their game plan going into the match. But it sounds like what you're saying, it's a match we're not going to want to miss then, that this is going to be <laughs> an exciting, this is going to be quality tennis. If you, yeah, if you like rallies, if you like, you know, someone who has to be tactical, strategical out there, this is your kind of match. You're not going to get big hitting, big babe tennis from these girls. They'll hit their winners, but this isn't the big, loud grunting or anything. This is going to be drop shots and angles and using lots of cross court down the line, real intelligent tennis out there. So it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because it's a little different from the bang, bang stuff we see. So the men's semifinals take place tomorrow. Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic are on opposite sides of the draw. Uh, but already, obviously, everyone's anticipating a Wimbledon final between the two of them. And, uh, well, I think we're probably past expecting a handing over the bat on at this stage. Djokovic just isn't going to do it. Uh, but there's a bit of a Spygate scandal brewing, it seems, yeah. ahead of the semifinals. Carlos Alcaraz's father captured filming Novak Djokovic's training sessions this week. I don't think... Darn. I, I, I'm not sure if it's Spygate because I don't think he was hiding particularly well. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. We all pick off each other. The one thing about tennis is that we're all in the same fitness rooms. We're all in the same practice courts, in the same locker rooms, the players' lounges. We play, you know, every single week. So we know each other so well. Uh, there's a lot of, like, stealing that goes on, if you want to call it stealing. That, to me, it's more you're poaching ideas from – you know, what kind of rackets are they using? The string tension. Are they changing their equipment with their string? Everybody's looking at equipment stuff, tactical stuff, training stuff. So if you get at these tournaments, you see everybody and their coaches looking at one another and seeing what they're doing. And for someone like, you know, Alcaraz, you know, he's still a young buck, right? Last year, he was number one in the world at 19 years old when he won his first U.S. Open. And he and his whole team are trying to find every edge. And you know, without Federer around, without Nadal around, there's the GOAT. There's the guy with 23 majors in Novak Djokovic. I want to know what he's doing. And I don't think it's a big deal. If No, it's in public. Mm. Let it go. We're all here. We have a growth mindset. We're learning all the time to get better. And there's, I mean, I think Djokovic is one of the, the, uh, the guy who's really taken uh, training, professionalism, his body, obviously his nutrition to the next level. It's a it, you got to beat that guy. You got to know the guy. With all that, then, and the fact that this is in public, why would they do it? What's what's the oh, gain? Yeah, I just you want to pick up anything. You know, I I know jo Djokovic does a lot of analytics, so he knows every opponent. They scout the opponents they're going to play. You know, does let's say Alcaraz does Alcaraz like his forehand cross quarter down the line most of the time? How does he like his forehand when it's break point? How does he like his forehand when he plays me? How does he like it? So it is so detailed now because you're looking for trends and tendency. I think you do it to get in the head of Djokovic. If I was, if I was, if I really wanted to somehow get in the head of my number one like block to being uh, a Grand Slam champion, that's Djokovic. I try to get in that head by putting cameras out there, maybe, uh, you know, sirens, having crowds boo them, whatever it takes to get into that guy's head because he clearly is the number one player in the world, um, you know, winning in Australia, winning at the French. Uh, the guy is just 
he really has taken the sport of tennis to another level. And I really applaud. And it's not against the rules. You know, it's out in public. You know, it's uh, I, I, just, I love what El Carrez is doing, to be perfectly honest. Like, get in the guy's head. Uh, Djokovic going for a record equaling eighth Wimbledon victory. So he plays the Italian eighth seed Yannick Sinner uh, tomorrow. It would be an almighty shock if Sinner was to win that. Uh, Alcaraz, should he be looking that far ahead at Djokovic yet? Because he's playing the third seed Daniel Medvedev tomorrow. We do have good semifinals matchups. Sinner, don't overlook Sinner. Sinner is like a, a, a diet Novak Djokovic. They almost look similar with their body type. Djokovic has a little bit more muscle the last couple of years he's put on, but Sinner can stroke the ball. He's coached by Darren Cahill, the great Australian who coached Agassi and number one in the world, Leighton Hewitt. Um, he was a top, I think, 10, top 20 player himself. He knows the game. So I think that'll be an intriguing matchup as the match progresses. Sinner's going to have to make uh, interesting tactical adjustments to stay with Djokovic. And the other semi you're pointing out, Alcaraz is playing, you know, six foot ten Russian. You know, Medvedev, this guy serves big. Right? He's already he won a U.S. Open a couple of years ago, and um, I was really impressed with the way Djokovic. I'm sorry, with Medvedev, the way he handled. In five sets, down two sets to one, uh, Eubanks. Because Eubanks was clearly an underdog, underdog and going for it. I, I'm really, I'm really uh, psyched to see that semi. Because Medvedev has nothing to lose. Everyone thinks Alcaraz is supposed to win this. Alcaraz, though, won the Queen's Championships. That's usually a big indicator of who wins the big W. So I, both matches are going to be fun. Just grab some popcorn and sit back and enjoy the matches. And if it is the Alcaraz-Djokovic final, listen, it's, it could be historic for Djokovic, but for Alcaraz in terms of trying to get that crown now instead of having to wait a year, 18 months, two years to really start to uh, pressurise and even move past Djokovic, it, the French Open it felt was a real chastening experience for him. Like Very honest afterwards that having played so well at the start of that match, like cramps kicking in, it did feel there was a real nervousness that, that you never expect from the number one player in the world. Yeah, there's an intensity, but maybe that's youth, right? I mean, you see someone, there's so much built up. He, he's supposed to be, play at a certain level, and he's playing a guy that he's idolized, he's watched his whole life, and now he's on you know one of the biggest stages in the game, and he's going toe-to-toe with him. And what happens is it's not that he's not fit. He's, he, I think he cramped just because the intensity. You don't sleep well the night before. If not, you know, the night, you know, leading up to this, this match, you're thinking about every shot, every game, every point. So there's an intensity. And you know what Djokovic is doing? I've been here, you know, 22 other times. I've been here so many times. Like he, he sleeps like a baby at night. Cause I mean, being in a grand slam final is like us going to the store and grabbing some milk. It's, it's just a routine day at the office. Um, but Elkrest, even though he won a U.S. Open, he hasn't beaten the big boys. He didn't, you know, he never got a chance to play Federer. And he's, you know, he's he's played Nadal. He's played Djokovic now. The more reps he gets against those guys. And remember, the distance is longer. It's not two out of three sets. It's three out of five. So you got to beat these old lions in a marathon. So if you're already running pretty hot, right? If you're running in the red and now you're you're not sleeping well because you're thinking about the match, then you get out there and you're playing a human backboard. Clearly nerves got to him, right? The intensity of the moment got to him. He'll be better this time, but boy, I 
smart money is always going to be on Djokovic with his 23 majors. Uh, Luke, always a pleasure. Uh, Todd Woodbridge, I'd set the alarm on the house every time you leave for the next few weeks because we may be coming for you. All right. I'll tell you, <laughs> he owns me. He owns me. <laughs> no way. Luke Jensen, pleasure as always. Off the ball rules. <laughs>